Thanks for listening to Porchlight Music Theater's WPMT. If you love classic musicals, why not check out Porchlight's Sondheim at 90 Roundtable, our discussion series focusing on the complete works of Stephen Sondheim, with me, Porchlight Artistic Director Michael Weber. I've had a great time discussing all of the musicals of Sondheim's incredible career with stars from Chicago theater, Broadway, and beyond weekly throughout Sondheim's 90th birthday year. Listen today to Sondheim at 90 Roundtable for a behind-the-scenes deep dive into the mind, the music, and the writing methods of one of music theater's greatest composers. Available right here on your favorite podcast platform. Search for Sondheim at 90 Roundtable or visit porchlightmusictheater.org for more information. I'm Michael Weber, Artistic Director of Chicago's Porchlight Music Theater. Opening December 2nd, 1924, at Jolson's 59th Street Theater on Broadway, The Student Prince, with music by Sigmund Romberg and a book and lyrics by Dorothy Donnelly, was based on Wilhelm Meyer Forster's play Old Heidelberg, which itself was based on his novel entitled Karl Heinrich. The show was the most successful of Romberg's works, running for 608 performances, the longest-running Broadway show of the 1920s, beating out the era's other top hits like Showboat, Sally, Good News, Shuffle Along, Sonny, and The Vagabond King. Before the production even closed, there was already the first of what would soon become multiple long-running touring companies of the student prince on the road throughout the country. Dorothy Donnelly's American musical version stuck closely to the lines of the well-known original play, as the prince, now called Karl Franz, accompanied by his tutor, Dr. Engel, and his pompous valet, Lutz, left the cloistered life of his home court and headed off to Heidelberg University for an education in Latin and in life. The plot provided Romberg with many opportunities for romantic music, but the setting also gave him the chance to include any amount of virile continental student songs and marches. And so the score of the student prince was made up almost entirely of these two styles of music, their traditional comic element of operetta of the era being relegated to a very subsidiary place. The student prince had a difficult road to the stage. The legendary producing brothers Lee, Sam, and Jacob Schubert for whom most of Romberg's previous work had been built, had not expected their house composer to turn their old 1902 play into a florid operetta, which featured a sad ending and a big singing male chorus instead of wedding bells, a walk down the aisle, and a female dancing chorus. Soon, the meddling of the producers and a temperamental leading lady threw the production into turmoil. Recovering from the female lead bolting from the cast and the Schubert brothers taking the composer's name off the billing, Sigmund Romberg sued and won before the production debuted, the show opened on Broadway to become not only the biggest success the Schuberts had had in years, but far and away the most important original musical they had or would ever produce. For some 20 years, the student prince was a permanent fixture on the tour circuits in America, and it remained a perennial favorite for decades. Thereafter, reappearing on Broadway in 1931 and again in 1943. Here on the October 26th, 1948 episode of The Railroad Hour are Dorothy Kirsten, Hans Conried, Bobby Driscoll, Gordon McRae, and Kenny Baker as... The Student Prince. Ladies and gentlemen, the Railroad Hour. And from Hollywood, here comes the star-studded show train. Tonight, your railroads through the Association of American Railroads present... The Student Prince. In our star-studded cast, you will hear the host of our series, Gordon McRae. Two famous guest stars, Dorothy Kirsten and Kenny Baker. 
and a great cast of Hollywood featured players, including Hans Conried, Betty Lou Gerson, Bobby Driscoll, and Peter Rankin. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and the entire production is set to the music of Carmen Dragon's Orchestra and brought to you by the American Railroads, the same railroads that bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and the things you use in your daily life. And now, here is Gordon McRae. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gordon McRae helping to bring you another in our series of musical comedy successes. Tonight, the Railroad Hour presents a story of the days when Germany was young, a show that opened on Broadway in 1924 and has been performed every year since. At one time, there were nine different companies playing all over the country, and, of course, I'm speaking of The Student Prince, with book by Dorothy Donnelly and music by Sigmund Romberg. As our guests tonight, we're very happy to present the glamorous Metropolitan and San Francisco opera star, Dorothy Kirsten, in the role of Kathy. And in the part of Carl Franz, the student prince, we are very glad indeed to have Kenny Baker with us this evening. And I'm certain you'll have a real thrill in store for you when you hear them sing. This evening, for which I age a few years, gracefully, I hope, is the part of Dr. Engel, young Carl's constant companion and teacher. Well, our story begins nearly a hundred years ago in Carlsberg. As twilight steals over the city, I, in the character of Dr. Engel, am pushing a little boy in a garden swing. <laughs> higher, Dr. Oh, oh. Engel, higher! Oh, my goodness, that's enough, son. It's time for bed. But, Dr. Engel, you haven't told me a story yet. All right, I'll tell you a story and then off you go. Fair enough? Fair enough. Good. Now you sit down here beside me, and I'll tell you the most romantic story you've ever heard. Once upon a time, not so long ago, there lived right here in the kingdom of Carlsberg a young prince. He had all the riches that the son of a king could ask for. But alas, he wasn't happy. He had no freedom, and he had no friends except for me. You see, I was his teacher for eight years. Then came the day he passed his entrance examinations for the University of Heidelberg. I went to his rooms to congratulate him. And for the first time in his life, he was happy. Dr. Engel, have you heard the news? You're going with me to Heidelberg. No, I'm not going, Carl Franz. But Dr. Engel, we've planned this trip ever since I was a boy. But they don't want me to go to Heidelberg as your companion. They want me to be your jailer, to surround you with every formality you've known at court. Oh, but Heidelberg wouldn't be that way if you went with me. I'm sorry, Carl Franz. Somebody else can bring you back at the end of the year so the king can announce your betrothal to your cousin, Princess Margaret. Oh, please, let's not worry about that. I've never even seen her. Look, if you, if you really want me to break these chains, you can't desert me now. Why, that would just give them an excuse for not letting me go, don't you see? Well, you're, you're right. That's just what they do. I've got to go with you. Oh, wonderful, Doctor. Then we'll go, just the three of us. You and I and Lutz, my valet. Oh, Lutz! Lutz! Uh, coming, Your Highness. <laughs> Lutz, I want you to get everything ready. We're leaving for Heidelberg University. You mean I am going back to school again? Oh, my, what have I done to deserve this? <laughs> oh, come now, Lutz. The way you roam around here with your nose up in the air, you probably graduated cum laude. Uh, believe me, Doctor, I couldn't graduate cum doomsday. <laughs> <laughs> You know, sometimes I wonder why I even bother keeping all my old report cards. They all say the same thing. Johann Heinrich Peter Lutz, M.D. Medicinae, doctor? No, no, mentally deficient. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder I shudder at the thought of going near school again. I've never felt so ill at ease in my life as I did trapped inside those four walls. Well, fortunately, Lutz, Heidelberg is not that kind of school. 
Down where the Necker flows swiftly along Nestles a town that is famous in song Laughing lads roam through its streets so quaint No one's a sinner, much less a saint Twilight comes stealing and moonlight shines down Painting with silver old Heidelberg town Hark how the echoes are ringing with their song Laughing they circle the glasses Yes, son, Carl, Franz, Lutz, and I traveled together. It was May Day, the first day of the new term when we arrived. Carl, Franz, and I went immediately to enroll, while Lutz went on ahead with our luggage to the Inn of the Three Golden Apples. The streets echoed with the singing of marching students, making their way to the inn where Kathy, the barmaid, had been chosen queen of the Saxon court. For there's no good fellow when he's feeling mellow to the beer, so yellow would say nay. All instead, we're swinging while we're joining, singing with our voices, ringing in a merry mind. There is joy abounding in our songs, we're coming while our times are coming all the time. Gentlemen and students, who is the most adorable waitress that ever carried a tray? Who has a smile for everyone? And most important of all, who draws the best of beer in Heidelberg. Happy Thank you, thank you. Come, boys, it's all the gay boys. For every Drinking 
Dorothy, our queen. We drink to your health. All right, boys, that's enough. Now off with you. I've got to cut some flowers for the tables out there in the garden. To the end, we're marching for a sun star, marching under fruit trees. Tell me, is this the inn of the three golden apples? Yes, this is the inn of the three golden apples. It looks positively wormy. <laughs> Most people recognize it immediately. Didn't those three golden balls over the door remind you of anything? Yes, it reminded me I left my watch in the Royal Hawk Shop. The Royal... Oh, of course. I should have known. With all that baggage, you must be Prince Carl Franz. We've been expecting you, Your Highness. I'm the innkeeper's niece, Kathy. My dear little Wiener Schnitzel... <laughs> I am the Honorable Johann Heinrich Peter Lutz, and I've never seen such a den of iniquity. You may cancel the prince's reservations immediately. We are not staying. Uh, 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 not so fast. On the contrary, Lutz, I think we will. But, Your Highness... So, this is it, eh, Dr. Engel? Yes, Karl Franz? Welcome to Heidelberg, Your Majesty. Hmm. Thank you. <laughs> hey, everything is just as pretty and picturesque as you described it, Dr. Engel. You may unpack the baggage, Lutz. We're staying. May I bring something to your room, Mr. Lutz? Yes, Kathy. My smelling salts. <laughs> oh, please. Don't go. Uh, won't you sit down? So your, your name is Kathy, huh? That's a pretty name. Kathy. Thank you, Your Highness. And thank you for staying here. And I think you have a pretty name, too, Your Highness. <laughs> well, then, why don't you use it? You mean, call you... Of course. Are you, uh, married, Kathy? Oh, no, Your Highness. Carl Franz. Carl Franz. Yeah, that's better. Uh, engaged? Oh, yes, I mean... Oh. Well, not exactly, but I will be someday. Does he live here in Heidelberg, Kathy? Oh, no. In Vienna. He's my cousin. He's got a fine business. He's a livery stable keeper. Well, congratulations. Do you love him? I guess so. I don't really know. He's much older than I am. He's 35. Oh, Kathy, you can't love an old man like that. <laughs> Love's only for rich people. I don't know anything about it. Well, I'll tell you a little secret, Kathy. I'm rich, and I don't know anything about it either. Oh, the boys are coming back. I've got to get them some beer. Will you excuse me? Of course. Trying to get a few words in with Kathy behind my back. Oh, oh, I beg your pardon. I thought you were Dietler. No, I, I'm not. But you are students. Well, thank you. You flatter me, but I'm just one of the alumni. Well, how about you? Oh, yes. I'll be going to school here. Well, welcome to Heidelberg. I'm Hugo Lucas. Oh. Have you made your choice yet? Choice? Of a corps. A fraternity. You see, Carl, every student wears the cap and band of some corps. How oh. would you like to pledge the Saxons? Well, I, I don't know if I can. Well, you've got to join a corps, Carl. You're in Heidelberg. Enjoy yourself. What do you say? Will you shake on it? Oh, you, you bet I will, and, and thanks for asking me. Gentlemen, yeah. we're going to drink a toast to our new brother. Uh, what's your name, my friend? Gentlemen, permit me to introduce His Highness, Karl Franz, our prince. Uh, prince? Oh, but your highness... Oh, oh, forget it, Lucas. While I'm here at Heidelberg, I'm just another student like yourselves. Oh. Gentlemen, that toast, our brother, Karl Franz. Love one only when I am the one. Here's a 
Dr. Ingle taught them to me. Yes, I, I taught him all the student songs. Do you know the student serenade? Ah, do I know it. It's my favorite of all. Then let's sing it. Saxons, the serenade. Right, Kathy. And this is just the beginning for both of us. Soft in the trees, I hear my longing. Just 100 years ago today, what was then the little prairie village of Chicago saw its first locomotive make its first run. With that run, all of five miles, there was born one of the great railroad centers, which means so much to America. Speaking at the railroad fair held this summer to celebrate the centennial of that event, Colonel J. Monroe Johnson, director of the Office of Defense Transportation, talked about what that century of railroading has meant to our country and to all of us. He told his listeners that it took a continent to exhibit truly the product of that epic century. The product, said Colonel Johnson, is the only one of its kind in the world, the United States of America. 
Without these railroads, he added, there would have been at least two nations, one east and one west. Today and tomorrow, the continent-wide, all-season, common carrier service of the railroads is and will be one of the great foundation stones of our nation's strength. That's another reason why every American has a stake in railroads that are physically strong and financially healthy. And now back to The Student Prince, starring Dorothy Kirsten, Kenny Baker, and Gordon McRae. Turn to the garden, where a little boy sits listening as Dr. Engel continues his story of Heidelberg and the student prince. Did the prince like Heidelberg, Dr. Engel? Yes, son. For the first time in his life, he was happy. As the weeks passed, each day found him more and more in love with Kathy. Then about six months after his arrival in Heidelberg, Prince Karl Franz was returning to his quarters at the Inn of the Three Golden Apples in the early hours of the morning. Open up, Lutz. Open the door. Oh, my, this is terrible. Coming home at three o'clock in the morning. Prince Karl Franz, how could you do it? What do you mean? You're coming home with me, aren't you? You mean I was there with you? <laughs> Dancing and carousing? Well, I wondered where I was all night. <laughs> it's amazing how Heidelberg's changed you, Lutz. You've lost all your old veneer. Well, that Heidelberg beer would take the veneer off anything. <laughs> no, I still can't believe I was with you this evening. Lutz, your mind is wandering. Does it good to get out once in a while? <laughs> Don't you remember my asking Kathy to run away with me and get married? Marry Kathy? Oh, dear me, that would never do. You are engaged to the Princess Margaret, and being engaged to her is just as good as being married to her. It's better. Kathy and I are leaving for Paris as soon as the sun rises. Well, I'm not really surprised to hear this, because when a man loves a woman, he will climb the highest mountain for her. He will swim the deepest river. He will walk a thousand miles. Well, go on. Why do you stop? Oh, I'm tired. <laughs> well, before you collapse, get that key out of your pocket and open this door. I've got to get some sleep before Kathy and I leave for Paris. <laughs> But Karl Franz was not to sleep for long. As dawn crept over the city, a coach drawn by four horses drew up before the entrance of the inn, and from it stepped the Princess Margaret. As Karl Franz's advisor, it was my duty to awaken the prince and perform the introduction. Your Highness, may I present the Princess Margaret, Alexis, Victoria, Eugenia, Elizabeth, Marie. I am honored by this visit, Princess, but surprised I, I understood you were in a convent. I'm returning to Carlsberg at the request of the king. I was ordered to stop on the way to deliver this letter to Dr. Engel. Oh, how fortunate. And what a splendid opportunity to meet without uh, formality. Yes. It will relieve the tension of betrothal ceremonies at Carlsberg. Uh, betrothal ceremonies? Yes. I would love to prolong this delightful visit, cousin, but the horses are waiting. You know how punctual the king is. Goodbye, cousin. I shall see you again soon. Yes, uh, soon. It, it will be an honor, princess. I trust it will also be a pleasure. Dr. Ringo, what is this? What's in that letter? Carl, I'm ordered to ask you to return to Carlsberg. To marry Princess Margaret? Yes, but there's more to it than that. The king is ill. He oh. needs you. You've got to return to Carlsberg at once. <laughs> Carl Franz's dream of 12 months of freedom were abruptly shattered. But with his father, the king ill, and calling for him, he had no alternative. And he prepared to leave at once. The afternoon he was ready to leave, Kathy came to bid him goodbye. Don't worry, Kathy, darling. My father's a strong man. He'll get well again. In two short weeks, I'll be back. I know you will, Carl Franz. Oh, I love you so much, Kathy. I can't bear the thought of leaving you, even for so short a time. I love you too, Carl Franz, more than anything in the world. You know that. But your father's ill. He needs you. Yes, but the minute I get back, we'll be off to Paris as we planned and get married. I'll be waiting. Carl, do you want me to return to Carlsberg with you? No, Dr. Engel. You stay and keep these rooms for me. I want you here, too, waiting for me with... for Kathy. Oh, Carl Franz, 
It's so hard to say goodbye. But it isn't goodbye, Kathy, darling. It's, it's just our feet are safe. And while I'm away, I'll, I'll dream of you every moment. Seeing you just as you are now, standing here before me. So pretty, so sweet, so lovely. The magic of springtime is round us tonight. Enchantment is born on the breeze. And cool the silver light, the As deep in the shadows your eyes look in mine, within them a soft flame gently glows. The breath of the night wind with perfume divine is filled with the scent of the rose. Oh, love, why? Will you keep these for me? Your student band and cap? Yes. Keep them for me till I come back. And I will come back, Kathy. I promise. They say, a promise keep right while you're asleep. A promise break all night you're awake. I'll keep my promise, Kathy. son, he didn't. The king died shortly after Karl Franz returned to Carlsberg, and the young prince ascended the throne as king. Two years passed, and during all that time, Karl Franz did not marry Princess Margaret, and finally the council decided that the king no longer could avoid his responsibility. A date was set for the wedding, and a grand ball was given at the royal palace to publicly announce the betrothal. The court buzzed expectantly as Princess Margaret and Karl Franz danced together for the first time. You dance beautifully, my dear cousin. A queen must dance well with a king, especially one who dances as well as you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm afraid I have had little opportunity for practice lately. I've heard at Heidelberg you were quite adept. I, I regret that the affairs of state have kept me from you since my return. Kings are not their own masters, cousin. There are certain obligations which... Pardon, Your Majesty, an important message. A message from where? Heidelberg. Heidelberg? Will you excuse me, Princess? Lutz, who is it? Dr. Engel. Dr. Engel. Take him to my rooms. I'll meet him there immediately. Uh, uh, wh wh what were you saying, Princess? I was about to say there are certain obligations which a king must discharge, 
speech to be worthy of his people and his country. That is why I was overjoyed to learn the date set by the council for the wedding is so soon. The 1st of June. No. Your no Majesty. later. <laughs> I'm sorry. No later than the 1st of June, beloved cousin. You must forgive me uh, if I beg permission to leave you. I know your thoughts are elsewhere tonight. Cousin. I, I... do not wish to reproach you, only to say that I understand. <laughs> Dr. Engel. Carl Franz. Oh, my goodness. In Heidelberg, you looked like a boy. <laughs> and now you look like a king. Oh, it's good to see you, Engel. Let me pour you a drink. Ah, uh, before you say another word, you've got to join me in a toast to old Heidelberg. You, you haven't forgotten, Carl. Forget? How could I forget those days? Golden days. The sunshine of our happy youth, golden days full of innocence and full of truth. Oh, Doctor, tell me about the Saxon Corps, Lucas, Dietlef, and all the rest. Oh, wait a minute, there's so much to tell, Carl. A night doesn't go by that I don't hear their voices echoing back across the valleys and through the walls. But in the evenings when I dream, it's Kathy I see. It's as if she were here in this room, with me. Today, there are as many miles of railroad track in the switching district of Chicago alone as there were in the whole United States 100 years ago. And today, throughout our country, there are 6,000 other railroad centers and junction points through which the rail passenger and freight traffic of the nation flows. There are more than 600 different railroads in the United States. In their service and operation, they compete with one another vigorously. But at the same time, all of them work together to provide you with a service that is nationwide, indeed continent-wide. Any shipper on any railroad can load a car for through movement to destination on any line. That's a familiar fact which most of us take for granted because it is so familiar. Yet to producers, it means nationwide markets. And to you and me as consumers, it means the widest possible choice in the selection of the things we buy and use. Yes, the fact that railroads handle each other's cars is familiar. But just think what a lot of standardization and cooperation it calls for among a lot of railroads, especially at those centers and junction points where railroads meet. You can think of these junctions as the connecting links that tie together the network of rails, the network which, as Colonel Johnson of the Office of Defense Transportation so truly said, has helped to keep this nation united, and which today makes possible the nationwide commerce, which is one of the big reasons why Americans produce more and live better than any other people on Earth. The Railroad Hour show train will return in just a moment after a brief pause for station identification. This is Portulate Executive Director Jeannie Luco. Thank you so much for listening to WPMT. If you value programming like this, free and accessible to everyone, 
please consider making a donation today at porchlightmusictheater.org. We appreciate your support and consideration and hope you enjoy the show. And now we return to The Student Prince, starring Dorothy Kirsten, Kenny Baker, and Gordon McRae. Oh, my, it's getting late, son. Why don't you run under bed and let me finish the story tomorrow? Oh, no, Dr. Ingle. I want to hear what happened to the student prince. Well, Carl Franz was determined to return to Heidelberg and the girl he loved. Lutz, his valet, and I left with him the following morning for the university. Carl Franz had planned to rejoin Kathy immediately. But when they arrived at Heidelberg, he was surprised to find the Saxon Corps had turned out in a body to greet him. So Lutz went on ahead to the inn. I beg your pardon. I am looking for a barmaid known as Kathy. Kathy? But I'm Kathy Lutz. Don't you remember me? Must I? Well, yes, of course. You're Kathy, surely. <laughs> it's good to see you again, Lutz. My good woman, and I shudder when I use the term. <laughs> uh, do you know why I am here? You're on a vacation, and you want to spend all your spare time in Heidelberg. On the contrary, I spend all my spare time knitting tiny garments. Look, you're married? Don't be ridiculous. I need a sweater. Oh, then you haven't come back for the winter sports, and you don't want to go, go slaloming on the slope. Not since I've been schmacking on Zitzblatt. <laughs> no, I'm here only because King Karl Franz is now about to revisit his old lodgings. Karl Franz? Yes, the king. He was detained by some old friends, but they will be gathering here in a moment. Pay attention. What are you looking at? Is this still the inn of the three golden apples? Yes, it is. Good heavens, the princess. You may go, Lutz. Thank you. And you don't have to tell me where. <laughs> Perhaps you can tell me. Is there a waitress here named Kathy? I am Kathy. Let me look at you, Kathy. Yes, you're very pretty. You've been here for some time, haven't you? Yes, madame. I live here with my uncle. You were here when the King of Carlsberg was a student? Yes. You waited on him, didn't you? You knew him well. In fact, you were sweetheart. How do you know these things? Gossip has a way of traveling. And I'm the king's future wife. Future wife? Yes. Surprises you, doesn't it? I should be curious about you. The princess, jealous. If you're jealous, you love him. And if you love him, you'll make him happy. Now that he's forgotten me. He can never forget you as long as you're here to welcome him back. You do want him to be happy, don't you? Yes, yes. Of course I do. Then leave here. Go away, Mary. Then perhaps he'll turn to you. I love him, too. But that's not important. There's only one thing that is important. This is our country, and he is our king. He needs a queen beside him to share his duties. And all my life I've been preparing to assume those duties. You don't have to worry any longer, princess. I'll go. Believe me. You are really happier than I can ever be. You have his love. Well, I can only say I'm grateful to him. The students are coming. Carl Franz and Dr. England are with him. Here's my handkerchief. Wipe your eyes. I'll leave you with him to tell him. And please, please, he must never know I've been here. He'll never know. Kathy! Kathy! Oh, Kathy. Welcome back, Your Majesty. Just welcome back, Kathy? Is that all? Aren't you happy to see me? I'm always happy to see the boys come back. Kathy, you... you haven't forgotten me. Forget you, Your Majesty? I could never forget a king. You're just in time to offer me congratulations. I'm getting married tomorrow. M married? Yes, to my cousin, Rudolph. Oh. Oh, I... I hope you'll be very happy, Kathy. I shall, Your Majesty. I promise you. And you? I understand you're marrying the princess. The princess is a charming woman. I'm sure she is. Come, Carl Franz. Smile. Life changes. You're a king. Your life belongs to your people. Your Majesty, as spokesman for the Corps, if I may take the liberty, the students have asked me to offer their felicitations on your approaching marriage. Oh, yes. Thank you, Dr. Andrew. And they thought, perhaps, in memory of your student days here at Heidelberg... You might like to hear some of the students' songs. Oh, thank you, gentlemen. Is there any in particular you'd care to hear? Yes. The serenade. Overhead the moon is 
bird filling all the air with And so the king married the princess and lived happily ever after. But that story has an unhappy ending, Dr. Engel. Oh, no, my son. On the contrary, it has a very happy ending. But why didn't the prince marry Kathy? Because he married the princess, your mother. And they found their happiness in you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gordon MacRae giving a special vote of thanks to our two guest stars this evening, Dorothy Kirsten and Kenny Baker, and to the other members of tonight's cast for their fine performances in our production of The Student Prince, which was adapted for radio by Ed Helwick. Next week, our star-studded show train will arrive on the same tracks and at the same time. On board will be Eddie Bracken and Jan Clayton to join me in bringing you the famous Jerome Kern musical show, Roberta. With our chorus under the direction of Norman Luboff, and the music arranged and conducted by Carmen Dragon. Well, it looks as though we're ready to pull out. So until next week, goodbye. And remember, during the coming week, as always, the American railroads will provide for you the dependable, low-cost transportation which is so essential to the American way of living. The Student Prince has been presented by Arrangement with Century Library, Incorporated of New York. Bobby Driscoll will soon be seen in the Walt Disney Technicolor picture, So Dear to My Heart. Gordon McRae appeared on this program by arrangement with Warner Brothers. This is Marvin Miller speaking. The Railroad Hour is brought to you each week at this time by the Association of American Railroads. There goes our show train. But don't forget, it'll be back next week with Roberta. And here's Carmen Dragon and the orchestra to play you one of the hits from that show. ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. Kenny Baker first gained notice as the featured singer on radio's The Jack Benny Program during the 1930s, appearing on Broadway only once, co-starring with Mary Martin in One Touch of Venus. He acted in 17 films, including Stage Door Canteen, The Harvey Girls, and At the Circus, opposite the Marx Brothers. Dorothy Kirsten, who in her 30-year career with the Metropolitan Opera in New York City, specialized in title-role interpretations of Puccini's operas Tosca, La Boheme, and Madama Butterfly. She appeared on television and in such motion pictures as Mr. Music, opposite Bing Crosby, and The Great Caruso, starring Mario Lanza. Hans Conried is best known for providing the voice of Walt Disney's George Darling and Captain Hook in Peter Pan as well as Snidely Whiplash and Jay Ward's Dudley Do-Right cartoons. 
His expansive career included work in radio's My Friend Irma, Life with Luigi, The Burns and Allen Show, and many more, as well as TV sitcoms, including Make Room for Daddy and I Love Lucy, and as star of the only feature film written by Theodore Geisel, The Five Thousand Fingers of Dr. T. The original play on which The Student Prince was based had been an international success, notably in America, where in spite of a brief initial 40-performance Broadway run as Old Heidelberg in 1902, it became both a long-touring vehicle for popular actor Richard Mansfield as Prince Karl Heinrich and as the basis of a 1915 feature film starring Wallace Reed as the Prince, alongside Dorothy Gish and Eric von Stroheim. In 1927, director Ernst Lubisch made a second silent film version based on Forster's work, now titled The Student Prince in Old Heidelberg, starring Ramon Navarro and Norma Shearer. Its orchestral accompaniment did not use any of Romberg's score. In 1954, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer filmed The Student Prince with Romberg's score in color and cinemascope, starring Anne Blythe with Lewis Calhern, Edmund Gwynn, and S.Z. Sakal. The film gained some infamy during production when the original star, Mario Lanza, was fired from the project before principal photography, necessitating his last-minute replacement by the lesser-known actor Edmund Purdom. Due to the contractual agreement between the studio and Lanza, songs that the actor had already recorded were used in the film, dubbing over Purdom's actual voice, and the picture was released as featuring, quote, the singing voice of Mario Lanza, unquote. The film was a big hit with audiences. Through the years, endless and often cheap tours slightly tarnished the title of the student prince in America, much in the same way that they did with Blossom Time and the Desert Song, but the show had, without a doubt, a heyday, and it had a resurgence. In 1974, the Heidelberg Festival produced a version of The Student Prince with American tenor Eric Geisen starring in the courtyard of the Heidelberg Castle, overlooking the well-preserved streets of the University City where the action of the play takes place. It has subsequently been performed regularly there during the summer months. Theaters across the country need your support now, more than ever. We hope you'll consider a donation to Porchlight Music Theater today. Just go to porchlightmusictheater.org. Until next time on Classic Musicals from the Golden Age of Radio, I'm Michael Webb.